Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone, and welcome to the 55th edition of the Leader Post Rider Rumblings video podcast. That's a wordy title. I think of a better one. Uh, each week, we uh, pick a corresponding player number that that uh, uh, equates to the number of podcasts, and we salute that player. And uh, we're saluting Roger Aldag in a different way, but being at the 55th podcast, we salute number 55, Mario DeMarco, one of four Rough Riders players who was killed in the 1956 air crash. Mario DeMarco, Gord Sturtridge, Mel Beckett, and Ray Cernick were killed. And uh, so uh, there's number 55, Mario DeMarco. Uh, there's number 44, Roger Aldeg. We've had compl- not, not necessarily complaints, but comments about why our background is so drab. So I found this thing lying around the, this cardboard cutout of Roger lying around the office and I thought this would provide us with some some uh, more colorful background in those beautiful shades or blinds, blinds or whatever so that's our background for today uh, Marie McCormick is with us as has been the case for most of these 55 yeah. podcasts and mm-hmm. our special guest today uh, also our guest columnist throughout football season uh, is former Rough Riders general manager Brendan Tamman. Brendan, thank you for joining us. How are you doing? Not too bad, fellas. How are you? We're fine, thank you. And Roger is fine as well, we presume. Good. Good. So, um, no, uh, you've <laughs> been there, Brendan. Uh, losing a starting quarterback week one, 2015. Sorry for the flashback, but what kind of position are the Rough Riders in now? You've lived this all too vividly four years ago. Yeah, it's uh, it's not the most comfortable position to be in as you guys are well aware of I mean like I think most people understand you're going to go through adversity at some point during the year it's just it's really discouraging to hit it in week one especially with your starting quarterback so they've got some challenges ahead there's no doubt and I they know that I mean they're not they're knowledgeable of what they're doing so um but it's a little bit of a bigger hill to climb now than than it was Four years ago, you had Kevin Glenn as the backup. The year before, you were left with Tino Sinceri, etc. after Darian went down. Did the Rough Riders satisfactorily cover themselves in this situation, knowing of Zach Kalaros' history uh, by, by having Cody Fajardo, Isaac Harker behind uh, Zach as opposed to a veteran? I'm not sure we can answer that just yet. I think there's some concern. There's no doubt about that. I think, um, you know, what we learned after the 14 season is we weren't going to do that again. We just couldn't do that again. Um, because when you're sitting in the GM's chair, in the head coach's chair, um, when you meet with your president every week, it's it's not about your development or how you're doing or everything. It's It's about winning, flat out winning. Simple. You better win. So... The good thing would be is to bring a young guy along that's going to help you win some games when needed. Um, you know, and I think the young guy they have there, Harker, he showed some signs. There's no doubt about that. But you have to be a little bit weary of that too. And what I mean by that is we had a guy, and you guys are very familiar with him in Winnipeg, named Ryan Dinwiddie. And I believe we decided we were going to sit Kevin down at one point. Um you know, he started off, I can't remember the year exactly, but Ryan went in in his first game and was the player of the week. I don't know, he threw, and it was against Calgary too, and he threw for like 400 and some yards, and we were like, oh, yeah, great. And then we went to Toronto the next week, and I think we scored six points. And what I mean by all this is the more you get on film, the more teams can adapt to you and know who you are. And I'm not saying they won't have a an answer in Harker, but um, 
I don't know about you guys, but if you were to say in week two, Isaac Harker or Cody Fajardo were going to be your starting quarterback in February, uh, I'm not sure that would have <laughs> met with a lot of positive vibes at that point. It's not meeting with a whole lot of positive vibes right now, I think. <laughs> I think to remember in 15, you didn't really recover from Darian's injury, did you? No, we didn't. Uh, we didn't recover in 14. And yeah. part of that was we didn't have good enough depth behind him to the point of desperation when we had to sign Kerry, which, you know, is what it yeah. is. But then, yeah, in 15, we had kept – because the biggest thing we did at the end of 14 is that Corey and I agreed that we were not going to have that quarterback dilemma on our hands again. As luck would have it, we signed Kevin, which we thought was the best insurance policy we could get at the time, and he gets hurt, so we were done anyway. But it's kind of, um, it is what it is. It's kind of interesting that Kevin's name kind of came up again this time around to, be, to, to replace uh, to as a possible replacement for uh, Zach Kolaris, that he's still kicking around the league, but he has retired. I think there's not enough money involved. You know, I don't think Kevin Glenn was even prepared to come back, and I don't think he'd be quite ready to step in to do anything for him right now. Did you have Brian Bennett? Who they signed? Who I seem to remember in seventeen being outstanding at minicamp, really good during training camp, and then the lights are on. He was really struggled. He struggled in the two preseason games and was released. So he did throw a touchdown pass in that preseason, though, which yeah, is notable because that was it. And he threw a touchdown pass last time Winnipeg was here in the preseason game, that or a long pass, a forty-eight yarder. He was the one who threw that long bomb. And he can play special teams. He can play, and he can, and, and he can do a backflip. So if you ever, I'd ask him if he did a backflip after the riders called him, but he's things. I know you and I, I know we've talked about Cody a little bit. You know, they kind of signed him with this in mind that he could play, but maybe they thought they'd have all their punt returns to the one or two yard line, so they just have to go short yardage and he wouldn't have to come up there and actually throw the ball. But I, I think they've got to go. I don't know if this is. Probably, they've made this bed. They've got to go with Cody. I, I don't think Isaac Harker, regardless of what we saw on. Uh, in Thursday's game is quite ready yet. I think I maybe Ben and you can answer this. Do you throw a raw rookie into a situation when you have a guy that's supposedly earned the position and see what he can do, or do you just go with Cody and do it the plan you made out of training camp and try to ride it through? Maybe maybe Cody Fajardo is ready to step up. Maybe it's it's, it's his time, but I think I don't know. What your thoughts are on Cody? Well, I, I think they've acclimated Fajardo as their second-string quarterback coming out of camp. So I think going into week two, I think you have to start him. There's no doubt about yeah. that. But And that's somewhat too of a reason to protect Harker because, like you just said, you don't really want to throw the kid you know, against Ottawa on Thursday night and here you, here you go, just go to town. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, they got to do what's best and, and they got to do what they think is gives them the best, I believe, the best chance to win. So... um. It's tough. Um, you know, hopefully Fajardo can do it. I mean, I have reservations. That doesn't mean I'm right by no means. But um, the question is, how long are they going to keep him in the game? And last week they didn't keep him in very long. Now, some of that was because he got dinged, I guess. But once yeah. Parker went in and started doing things, I don't think there was a rush to put Fajardo back in. So They liked um, Parker's rhythm. You know, they, they looked like he was, they threw those like four or five, four, five passes in a row spread out over a little bit of time. And he, he looks good in the pocket. He rolls out well. He's a smart kid. Maybe, yeah, I think he's maybe, got a chance to be a good quarterback. There's no doubt. He's got a strong arm. And Although you got to remember that the two touchdown drives they did have, Cody Fajardo was the quarterback. The first yeah. one, there was a 25-yard penalty. There was a 15-yard penalty. And, another uh, and then a nice run by Marcus Thigpen to get him down to the two. And then Fajardo used his mobility and, and, and uh, ran in. And he, he was efficient on the uh, – 
on the second touchdown drive. So there, there were some things to extract from the manner in which he performed. He and Isaac Harker combined to give the Riders more than 36 minutes of time of possession. Yeah. Ordinarily, that would signal, I think, more than 17 points and in all likelihood a victory. But the offense still demonstrated some of the tendencies that have been to its detriment, well, throughout last season pretty much. We saw Cody Fajardo puts a football right in the hands of Kyron Moore on a deep pass, 33 yards downfield, doesn't make the catch. Shaq yeah. Evans has a pass a little bit behind him on the Riders uh, late, in the, late in the fourth quarter. That ball should have been caught. Um, there was a the, the, the just the receiving core to me looks like the receiving core I saw last year. The exception being Katie Cannon looks like he can provide some explosiveness. But aside from that, Shaq Evans is dropping dropping a key pass. Kyran Moore is dropping a pass. Uh, Naaman Roosevelt is wide open and being ignored. It looks like a lot of the same old, same old to me. If it wasn't for William Powell, what would they have had? Like, William Powell was a stud in there. He was the guy that was carrying that offense on his back, I think. And he's going to have to continue to do that. And not that he didn't have to do that even with Zach at quarterback. But I think with having – going, I would think, can they hand the ball off every down? I don't know. Sooner or later they're going to have to pass. But I think William Powell, on, based on one game, is the real deal. And it's, that was a good signing. And I think they got to give him the ball even more. And – He's going to be motivated going back to Ottawa, regardless if he would left with the situation, more money or whatever. He's going back to play Ottawa again, so he's got to be, why not ride him a little harder? Or Harker. Oh. Harker. Uh -huh. Sorry. I mean, in 2015, the Riders had a pretty good running attack, too. Jerome Messam ended up gaining 1,000 yards that year between the Rough yep. Riders and, and Calgary. Um, so the running attack was part of it. And there was Kevin Glenn in 2015, too, as, as Brendan mentioned. I still think Brett Smith would have been a good decent quarterback beyond that season but yeah. my goodness i mean i think the riders knew they were going to face this at some point given zach Kalaros's history but after three games how do you, i mean not only are brendan are you dealing with the the absence of your starting quarterback how do you manage the shock factor here three three plays into the season kaboom like how do you administer that that's got to be so jarring to a team well, you know, it is. Um, I think the biggest challenge you have uh, amongst your team is your confidence in that locker room in the people you have playing at that position now has taken a hit. I mean, there's no – I have a tough time believing a lot of those players in that locker room are as confident as they used to be when Claros was playing in that game. I'm not saying they can't win. I'm not saying they don't believe in Fajardo or anybody else. But, I mean, we're not talking about Mike Riley here or Bo Levi, where it's a significant drop-off. And they're going to have to find ways to win games without, I think, spectacular play from the quarterback initially, and that's very hard to do. That's, the defense gives them a chance, though. Man. It does. Uh, they may have to score like they did last year now, but um, they did do a good job against Hamilton, there's no doubt about it. And um, whether Dominique Davis can be the guy in Ottawa, again, we'll see on that. But they beat Calgary, so he's got to be – you know, doing enough right, I guess. But as you say, they'll have a, a game's film on him. Like, they're studying Dominic Davis to see what... And he did throw four picks. Yeah, if, if, if <laughs> somebody tells exactly you... the second coming. If somebody tells you that Ottawa, after losing all the players they lost during the, the offseason, goes into Calgary, and with Dominic Davis throwing four interceptions, <laughs> what and Calgary leading 21-6 to six at one point, how much money are you at that point wagering on Ottawa winning? 
Yeah. I mean, it's quite bizarre, to be honest with you, that they ended up... I don't mean to, you know, knock Ottawa when I say that, but, I mean, the odds were against them, but... And that's what makes football so interesting. You, you just never know what can happen, and maybe Isaac Harker is the next coming of, you know, Darian Durant. Who knows? So what do we do about Simone Lawrence? I know the CFL came out with a two-game suspension on him for what was a vicious, dirty, probably one of the dirtiest hits I've ever seen in football. I, I know there's a lot of hue and cry over the two-game suspension. I wonder, in my mind, if they could have handled it a lot better by simply ejecting him from that game and then following up with a one-game suspension. The Riders gained gain from the, what he did because they get a suspension. He's gone from the game, and then the one-game suspension covers him off. I just think... I, I think this, you needed two games, but I kind of wondered. I don't even know why an injection wasn't even considered that, a 25-yard penalty. It should have been automatic. It should have been just, boom, you're gone. And he should have been walked off the field. And I can't remember, and I know it's, I can't remember being that emotionally invested in a play since 2009 when there were too many men on the field. And I've seen lots of plays. And that one, I went, I said some bad words. And I went, this is, that's just, everything's wrong about football in that one play from what Simone Lawrence did. And regardless if he's not a past offender or whatever he is, he knows better. And he knew who he was hitting with that shoulder. And he deserved more in the game after this fact. Now they're going to be. And then he goes on and gets a sack and a and pick. A, to make I know. It he just, he just rubs salt in the wounds. And I'm thinking, so now he gets two games. Maybe Brendan can explain what happens now. But I think he gets to peel, mm-hmm. peel, 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 peel. And then somehow he'll end up sitting one game or two games, whatever the, it works out to. And. And I don't, I don't think it's fair. You can't give him what Zach, how long Zach's out for, because that just doesn't work in sports. It invites manipulation and so, abuse. Simone Lawrence, who I actually was always impressed by when I saw him in interviews and talking and stuff. He seemed like the type of guy you want representing the CFL. And right now in that one play, he's not the type of guy the CFL needs to be representing him, but he can still play and earn a paycheck, whereas Zach may not sooner or later. Anyway, yeah, what happens, from your experience, Brendan, what happens now? You've dealt with players who have been suspended. What's the administrative uh, uh, trail or chain now? Well, um, I think it's almost like an automatic sort of scenario that you deal with. It's like, uh, and I don't know many guys that haven't appealed their issues from the commissioner, so I'm presuming that he will appeal. The scuttlebutt is it'll get lowered to one game and life goes on. Now, I have a, I, I just do not understand how a guy gets a 25-yard penalty and is allowed to stay in a football game is yep. beyond me. That that's It's like, you know, when a guy gets hit behind in hockey and it's a five-minute boarding penalty, he's automatically ejected, right? So that yep. – and if if – let's say – and hopefully not, but we're going to see another hit like that again at some point in the year. If, if that guy, whoever it is, that does that hit is allowed to stay in a game – this league, uh, with the way they handle this stuff, is is beyond comprehension because that is crazy that that guy's not automatically ejected, like you said, Murray. It's and I don't care what team's involved. It's just that's basic fundamental well, maybe, discipline. Maybe it's too hard for the CFL to hold an appeal and a hearing right on the field after that's right after the play because you look at all the machinations they're going through now. Maybe they can't do it in the middle of a game. I'm being but I mean, it should be this. basically football's equivalent of a match penalty. Yeah. You're right. Exactly, yeah. Rob. Yeah. And I think if you get that involved right away, maybe Simone Lawrence second guesses himself on whether he's going to deliver that hit next time. Yeah. If I know I'm going to get kicked out of the game, because right now it's just like free load and go. What I'm wondering is Hamilton is here August 1st. Huh. I put I had in my column today that 
they should tack on a, a, an additional game. And there's no way that Simone Lawrence should play in that game. One, because it could get really ugly and really silly. Uh, the, who's to say the Riders won't seek retribution? If Suppose they're 0-6 or 1-5 at that point. What's, what's, what's there for, the, for them to lose by taking a cheap shot? Um, it could get ugly with the fans. And I think also the Rough Riders... So many Lawrence's absence from that game would allow the Rough Riders to be at least get some sort of compensation for the fact that they've lost their starting quarterback. But yeah, but me by the way, why, why is Simone Lawrence playing not suspended for August first? Why? Why don't they defer a one one more game of that suspension? The way the appeal process works, you probably will be just getting around to being suspended by then. <laughs> yeah, I remember who knows? Dur- how long did Deron Carter get suspended for a week for the that one to drag out and drag out when he bumped into Rick Campbell? So maybe it's. I think it was the same thing. I think he got two, and it was reduced to one. I think yeah. if this is reduced to one, I'd be that, shocked. What be an shocked. absolute black eye that would be. I know. Other thing, other thing. I think any quarterback in the league that took that shot to the head would have been leaving that game with concussion protocol issues. Oh, I, I, don't, I think, don't disagree with you, Murray. I don't think is, it's just because Zach's got. Issues oh no, with it. no, I'm no. sure not. I mean, it obviously doesn't help. Here's the thing: Odell Willis last year knocked Zach into you know <laughs> next year, right? Yeah. And Literally. what did he get? Nothing. I don't think he had any additional penalties. There was there, there was, was nothing tack, nothing tacked on to that. No. Right. Jackson Jeffcoat got anything for hitting Brandon Bridge? Right. And seven months later, it's as worse, if not a worse hit on Zach again. And the only difference is, right now, it's a two-game suspension, which is good if it stays two, but I'm leery of that. Yeah. So the only thing they've changed from Odell to Lawrence is, well, okay, now we're going to give him a game. So mm-hmm. basically... <laughs> Are you really serious about headshots? I don't think they are, if that's the way they're going to operate, personally. Tell me this, though. Who's ultimately responsible? How much is Lawrence responsible for this? Like, this is player safety, and it's a opposing player, a team, not a teammate, a PA member of the stuff, and he did the hit. And people are blaming the league, but when does the player safety responsibility become the player's role? Oh, absolutely, Murray. You're totally 100% right. It doesn't seem to be... There's, there's a lot of vitriol about uh, Lawrence, and rightfully so, but he's the guy who did it. Then the league is getting out. We're not doing well. Well, Randy Ambrose, he can't, even though as good a blocker he was when he played, he right. can't get out there quickly enough from Mexico or wherever he is to, make, <laughs> to throw a block on uh, Simone Lawrence. But well, I just think Simone Lawrence is a guy who created this mess by being that player. And then he's kind of, I don't think he's getting off, he's getting off suspended, but. Player safety is a two-way street, and I think we're seeing too much lack of respect from players like Simone Lawrence doing it to guys like a prone quarterback like Zach Claris. And I, 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 I agree with you, Murray. If you look at that game when he delivered the blow, other than a 25-yard penalty, what did Simone Lawrence suffer during that game or after that game? He got paid. He didn't lose yep. a check, right? So yep. he's going to end up probably losing a game check when this is all said and done. So what I meant before by, if that's the penalty for delivering head hot, head hot, you know, head hits and head hunting yeah, and all that, yeah. players, the minute you start taking significant money out of players' pockets, they will change their ways. Trust me. Yeah. But if you don't make it an emphasis to control this, it ain't going to change. Yeah. And I believe they had a good chance to deliver a message with this, and maybe the two games will stick, and then okay, that's a little bit better than one for sure, but. I don't know uh, how much more they can. I, I know I'm. I think if two games is 
that's a lot in the CFL in an 18 game it is. season, isn't it? it is. I know it doesn't match up to Zach's time away from being injured, but two games, but, you know how much. How do you plan for out here? That's the equivalent of a nine game suspension in the, in the NHL. Right. But but if they do deliver a two game suspension, maybe the light will go on on some of these guys going, I shouldn't do this anymore. Yeah. Because right now it's free reign. You, you've seen it. You're going to continue to see it. Um, oh, yeah. And the only way you hit. I know the NHL is different with money and all that stuff, but when, you know, whatever that guy's from Washington, Wilson, when he got 20 or 30 games, whatever yeah. he got, you know what? How many times did he get a suspension after that got disciplined on him? He didn't, yeah. right? Because it finally set home going, I can't do this anymore. So what do you do now if you're the Rough Riders and you have Zach Kalaros and you're looking ahead? He's on the six-game injured list. The Riders have not said definitively that he has a concussion, but obviously there's yeah. there's a head issue here. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's had several documented in, documented concussions beforehand. What do you do? Can you even take that risk of playing him anymore? I think they have to be considering that question very seriously. Boy, that, that's uh, a really stadium right now. That's a really good point, Rob. I mean, that's a tough one. Um, it. I mean, <laughs> there's a real fine line there between. Well, at the end of the day, he's about, it's about him being a human being. Step one, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I don't know the ins and outs of all his medical history. I don't pretend to, but it seems like he's had a little bit of history with this. Um, I'm, you know, he'd have to, you'd have to really sit down with him and the medical people and have a serious chat with going, okay, Zach, I know you want to play, which I presume is true, but here's our concerns. And at some point you got to go, when's enough is enough. Right. And I'm not saying it is right now, but I think we're getting pretty close to that based on the little knowledge I know about his history with injuries, but it's tough. Cause you don't, you know, the guy wants to keep playing football and, but if you leave it up to the player, he's going to keep playing no matter what, right? Um, so you really, it's a real tough one because, you you know, he's a big part of your team, but um, there is life too after football that you got to worry about. Sorry, suppose that you're Craig Dickinson and, and medically Zach Kalaros is cleared, Zach wants to play. Let, let's mm-hmm. presume that those situations end up uh, unfold. There's, those scenarios end up unfolding. Yeah, and they so could. He wants to play, and he's cleared. But you're still Craig, you're Craig Dickinson, and you're a, you're a tremendous human being, and you care for your players, and you're thinking, do I want this on my conscience if it happens again? What if every what if the doctors are saying it's it's fine, and, and Zach Claro says he wants to play, he goes out there, bang, he's down on the turf again. And if you're the coach, do you want that on your conscience, and do you want to have to wear that? Yeah, I think Jeremy and the organization. That's such a tough decision for them. Yeah, you're right, Rob. And I think Jeremy and the whole organization as a whole would be the same. I think they'd have a, they're going to have a real tough, hard discussion or two about this going forward. And they've they handled everything right so far, from what I can tell. And not that my opinion means anything, but it's really, um, it's a serious situation, unfortunately. And that's what they're dealing with. And winning football games and all that is one thing, but now we're going into another area of you know, what's best for this individual going forward. And uh, I, I don't, I, again, I don't know the ins and outs of how many he's had or whatnot, but just from afar, it looks to be a little bit of a scary situation now. Well, if you look at it, of the 16 games for which he is dressed as a rough rider, counting exhibition, he's left four of those games after being hit in the head. Not only that, there was a third, there was the game in Winnipeg last year where he, Jeff Heck rocked him and he left the game. It wasn't a head injury, but 
Five out of the 16 games he's played as a Rough Rider has been forced to leave after being hit. Four of those to the head. And yeah. now there's a second head injury, third head, head injury that's going to lead to missed playing time. And that's over, that's over not even the equivalent of a full regular yeah. season. We're talking 16 games. And he came in ready to play this year too. And I, I know so I wrote about it that he seemed changed. He seemed more relaxed, more comfortable, more willing to step up to be the quarterback a starting quarterback and the quarterback in the face of the team and had all this stuff going on that he was excited about this season more than I think he was allowed to under Chris Jones. And it ends so quickly because even though last year, like he could have, he said he was cleared for that Western semifinal. He could have played, even though they lied to us, to our faces many, many times that he wasn't, that he was going to play. So he could have played then too, but some maybe Chris Jones kept him up. We don't, we don't, and still we still don't know what happened we still don't leading know up that, to that Winnipeg game. No, other than they lied to us. That he was going to play, and then it got out Saturday night that he wasn't. So, who said he was cleared, Murray? Uh, Chris Jones said he was cleared. They said he was cleared to play in that game. And what did Zach say? Zach said he was playing. He said he was. Remember, they stood in that press conference with Brendan Labat on one side and Cameron Marshall on the other, and Zach went on and on about how he was going to play. And Brendan Labat. I thought I, my recollections that that was that that Zach, sorry to interrupt me, no. was, was, was pretty non-committal about whether he was going to no, play. No, there was no doubt. TSN, we were all, everyone was going ahead with Zach playing. And then Dave Naylor met up with a, I think they met some rider in the hallway at the Delta who told him that Zach wasn't playing. And then boom, remember Saturday night, everything well, He explored? ran into Drew Tate. That's what happened. Okay. Dave Taylor ran into Drew Tate. Okay, so that explains that all. Anyway, that goes as... Uh, that just, that, that, that whole scenario doesn't, doesn't fly with me. You got your best quarterback... That's been cleared supposedly by the coach and supposedly, I've been presuming, by the team. And the kid's saying he's okay, and yet he doesn't play. So let me just and fast he's forward that. a press conference the day before the game. Right. And then he, then he said after the fact that he didn't want to go in there and be ineffective. You know, he didn't want to – if he got hurt in the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter. So that's why he eventually decided not to play. It's yeah, a whole – it's it's a mess, but maybe I wonder if we can mo just move on to something. Riders are playing Ottawa this week. Yeah, um, no, that's – Lost that's in all this. Yeah. I just wanted to bring up something. Craig Dickinson was asked yesterday who's going to be Harker or Fajaro as a starting quarterback, and he said he's going to let them both play out to see what happens. And then later he said they're both going to get reps. And it, it was kind of an interesting because when Chris Jones played the games, you knew there were games. But sure. Craig presented in such a friendly manner that we weren't all going up, up in arms saying, well, just say he's going to be your starting quarterback because we can see what happened in practice. He just presented it in this manner. He went, okay, well, we'll – He's going to decide. I, I think it's going to be Fajardo. I don't think it's going to be. What changed, though? Because after the game, it was in going to Hamilton be on Thursday, you asked Craig Dickinson who would start if Zach can't go. And unless I'm reading this incorrectly, he unequivocally said that Zach yeah, that you're in the job Fajardo was going camp. to play. So what happens between Thursday and Sunday where, the, where they're now saying they're going to split reps and practice and we'll, we'll see may the best man win? Well, I'll what take one, changed? I'll take one from uh, Brendan's pro uh, profession that loves to say they probably watched the film. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> they went on that plane, Rob, and the, they was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Fajaro didn't go downfield very often. Oh, Fajaro's got funny legs. Fajaro, hmm. I think it's more of a credit to the young kid, too. Like, he played so yeah. well um, that maybe it's not as a slam dunk. I still think they'll start Fajardo just because, but who knows. Yeah, I, I figured they start Fajardo, but with a really 
oh, short he, leash. I think they're going to bounce them both in and out. I really think. And Fitzgerald's going to play short yardage. And if one quarterback is moving the ball and they get down to the five-yard line, you can bet they're going to take that quarterback out and put the other one in, and then it'll be Brett Lowther within a matter of seconds. Yes, pretty well. That was That's the bad. one certainty that I think we can extract. What was that out. one? was about midfield because I looked up because I was writing. Was that the one that was third and one and they had that horrible play? Third and two. That was the... Uh, oh, yeah, the handoff. The handoff. The, hey, everybody, we're going to hand off to William Powell play. Yes, that was. Yeah, that was the I one. I think I saw that one coming. Although, from, coming from Mississauga. Ted Laurent <laughs> had a lot to do with yeah. that play. As well. <laughs> How often do you see a 300-pound offensive lineman get get manhandled like that? Yeah, why is that? Like, that's Ted oh. Laurent. Like, Brendan, do you, recall, do you recall a precedent for somebody just getting... Thrown like that? You do that see that like now and then. Wrestling. Yeah, you do see it not a lot, but... Um, as a, you know, as your old lineman, you don't want that too much, but it happens. You get overpowered sometimes and, you know, a player, you run 70 plays a game or 60, whatever it is, you, now and then you're going to get beat. Maybe not as bad. And sometimes it happens, but people don't even notice it. So unfortunately on that one, it was sort of magnified by the play. <laughs> so are the Riders without Zach, with Cody Fajardo and Harker quarterback, can they beat the Red Blacks? Yeah, they like, can this, beat. This, yeah, they can. This looked like a, this looked like a shoe though, aren't you, Brennan? Sorry? Aren't you picking the Riders to win this one? Yeah, that was more of a why not because whatever I think is probably the opposite anyway. But yeah. you um, me both. Well, I, I disagree with you. No, <laughs> they, they can beat them. I, I, you know, with defense and their special teams have to be better. There's no doubt about that. I mean, that's Boy, something that's been overlooked. That that needs to get fixed quick. John uh, Ryan wants that punt back, and so Kristen Jones wants that one. He fielded at the one back. Yeah, I, I wonder. And I know it's early to jump on Craig, but maybe he's got to be more. Yeah, he's really involved in special teams. But maybe he's got to let Terry Eiser coach him more. I don't know. Just something was wrong. That wasn't the special teams we've grown accustomed to. No, no. The riders. They just had the, their their window of, you know, <laughs> making errors is limited when you don't have the quarterbacks you thought you would have had playing in the game. I know. Um, that's always a challenge. And in the big, always, big pitchers so, could be tough. It's always about quarterbacks, isn't it? No matter how much you try to expand yes. our writing and our thoughts and our process, it comes back to quarterbacks and money. But well, always quarterbacks. I, I <laughs> think so. Always, I think so. Because, uh, it's interesting you said that they Sorry, called Brandon. Kevin, but it was over money that they couldn't get something done. Yeah, I just read that. Yeah, I don't they have? They're not paying top dollar for a quarterback. They are paying top dollar for a defensive tackle. How do they not have the money to do this? Especially if Zach's salary is is tucked away on the uh, six game injured list. How could money be an obstacle in this case? Well, that is, and this is just me, the old GM coming out in me. That's a position where is you got to make that work because it's too important of a position for your team to not function. And I'm, you know, they're going to roll the dice and they're going to bet on those guys being able to do the job. But um, if they don't win one of these next two games, ay, ay, ay. I'm not saying they will, but well, they're home for a whole stretch though, a long stretch. Three yeah, but Murray, win. if they're on four and you're still running out Fajardo and Harker and they're not winning. Is that going to – this is big picture. Is that going to be accepted over there? Well, I think we just have to look back at 15 and say no. <laughs> but what if they're 0-4, but at least the quarterbacks are playing well and showing some promise? Oh, then that's okay. I mean, if you're moving okay. the ball and you're scoring, you know, 40, 30 points a game and you're marching the ball for 400 yards, I, yeah, I don't think Dar anybody could argue that. After Darian got hurt in 2015, offense still wasn't the problem for a number of weeks. Kevin, no, Kevin we couldn't stop your touch football up. team. <laughs> 
I mean, they couldn't King, tackle King anybody King either, King. if I recall. But anyway, is that Junior uh, Bertile's big game? Yeah. That was that was later in the year. I was oh, fired yeah. by then. I, I'm not responsible for that. I plead the fifth. I don't even know who he was. <laughs> Are you accountable for the 64-yard field goal attempt? Oh gosh, what that a year! The, that was under the tab and watch. Yeah, I know. I, uh, <laughs> but I told Corey to punt. Field goal attempt by the punter. <laughs> how about we 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 make it? But how'd 13 go? Make it happier times. <laughs> 13, 13 was okay. But, I mean, <laughs> when we lost our running back, you know, those four games when we lost Sheets, our team took a dip, right? And that was with our running back. So you transfer that to a quarterback, voila, right? Yep. You can't survive it. We proved that in 14 and 15. You, you, you just, I mean, you can survive it, I guess, but, boy, it makes it a lot more difficult. And I, I don't wish that on anybody. Well, 1991, too. Ken Austin gets hurt on the in the first uh, game of the season against Edmonton. Uh, not long after that, John Gregory's fired. Right. So it's right. the third time it's happened to the Riders where they've lost a quarterback in the first game of the season. Uh, and coaches have been fired the first two times that's happened. Uh, there's not, it's not going to happen to Craig Dickinson, no. but it does portend a bad year. It's well, tough to spin out of that. I did have a flashback when Ke- when Kevin Durant popped his Achilles in that WNBA Finals to back to 15 when Darren Durant got hurt. When the, like, no one was See, anywhere near him. Not not to go goofy here, but <laughs> to take a dip, like Murray, you just said with Durant, like let's, if you look at baseball and you look at, well, the Seattle Mariners or the Toronto Blue Jays as an example, they're going younger and they're basically getting rid of all their veteran players and all their good players and they're they're vouching to go young. And what I'm, where I'm going with this is they're not going to win, but that fan base is going to take a hit. Like, the Blue Jays aren't the game in town anymore in Toronto, I'm afraid, right? Obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think the reason for that is they're losing. Yes, they have a couple young, good guys that might be good in two, three years. Yeah, that's fine. But where I'm going with this with CFL-related, I don't recall a CFL ever team ever going, okay, we're just going to start from scratch, go young, we're going to lose a lot of games, but next year we'll be better. I, I don't recall a team ever doing that in the league. They tried it in 79 when Ron Lancaster was the head coach. How that work? They lived with that in 1980. They went 2-14 both years. Then and Ronnie what? leaves. Joe Farragalli reaps the benefits of the groundwork that Ronnie had laid, and they go 9-7, and seven, and Joe Farragalli's the coach of the year. But Ronnie had uh, Hank Dorsch as a GM in 79, Jim Spavital in 1980. They bit the bullet with uh, with a young team, a young offensive line especially. Mm-hmm. And eventually there were benefits to be derived from that, but the, the people who made those tough decisions weren't around to – to, right. to 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 share in the momentary uh, triumphs that there were in 1981. I'm not right. saying that Jeremy O'Day and Craig aren't trying to win every year, but there's also a great cup here next year. And yeah, and knowing those, those two, Murray, those guys are right now trying to figure out how to win every game this weekend. <laughs> there's no doubt. And then yeah. that's what you have. That's what you want in a head coach and GM. You want them to focus like that. Uh, I, you're right about 2020. Everybody knows that. But if you want to get into that okay, let's project who's going to be their starting quarterback in 2020. Cody Fajardo? I doubt it. I doubt it. Zach Caleros? I doubt it. There's one guy that might be, and it's Harker, right? So let's hope he can work out for them. If there's a year to bite the bullet, though, and as tough as it is to do... You're right, Rob. It's it's sort of a transitional year. I mean, mid-January, they had to change their thinking with everything. Um, you've got a first-year head coach, you've got a first-year defensive coordinator, you've got a first-year general manager, if you subtract the interim uh, interim tenure that Jeremy O'Day had in 2015. Um, 
you can give this regime a bit of a mulligan for this year if they try to develop a quarterback. Yeah, I don't disagree that's, with that's you. That's the one card. that They can play that card this year. They can't play that card next year with the Great Cup here. But if they try to sell people on, look, we're trying to build something here. We haven't developed a lot of young quarterbacks over the years. Here's our opportunity, and here's the saving grace or perhaps the silver lining in all this. Maybe people will subscribe to that. Here's a dark cloud, Hems, if he isn't the guy. Well, I was just going to well, say. Then, then they know. Then <laughs> yeah. they know at the end of the year what they've yeah. got to do. There really they... isn't a backup out there. Like, legitimately, no. Kevin Glenn, Darian Durant, all these names being thrown. And, and uh, Craig Dickinson addressed that yesterday. He said, we called everybody on our list, and this is what we have as we're going with Brian Bennett. There's not a whole lot of backup quarterbacks out there that under the age of 35 <laughs> who are available. And I think they're kind of stuck with the bed there. And they, they made this decision way back. When they signed, when they couldn't get, well, the decision was made for them when Bo Levi decided to go take, not take less money and go back to Calgary, and the Riders end up in this position. Brent, well, final, uh, what, I don't, what I don't really quite get on that was, um, you're right, Murray, what you said, but they ended up signing the third stringer in BC, and they didn't even offer the second stringer a contract. Yes. And I'm not saying Jonathan Jennings is the greatest thing going. But knowing what your situation is with Kleros going into the year, did you really think Fajardo was going to be the answer at backup quarterback like we did with Kevin Glenn in 15? And if they did, more power to them. And he still might turn out that way. I have nothing against the kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, just on first blush, though, in, in, against Hamilton, it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, I, hey, it comes down to this. If they're in October and they're, I don't know, four or five wins and the people are still paying the money to come watch the games, hey, no problem. I uh, I know which way I'd be betting on that. Mm-hmm. People want to win, and coaches and GMs are paid to win. And you're right, Rob. You can get a mulligan this year because of the situation. But you better have the right guy that you're grooming because come June of next year, with a Grey Cup in your backyard, <laughs> trust me, I can relate to this. Rob, you were there in 95 or whatever year that was, right? I've been around since... Well, Caveman. I was there in 95. But I remember the year? You guys remember that year. We were terrible that year. Yeah, when we hosted the Grey Cup, and that didn't they, go over very well. <laughs> no, right from the outset, that that season was going nowhere. Biggest game was right. against Calgary when fifty five thousand people were in the stands. Right. <laughs> it just depends. Like it just depends on the philosophy of what they want to do. If they want to groom the guy, and and hopefully he is the guy, he has to be really. You know, they can get they can do that for sure. But if you struggle and mumble and you know like we did in fifteen, I can vouch for that. Zero uh, and nine doesn't go over very well there no matter what the situation. If you look at it too, it's a little incongruous because you'd be trying to groom a young quarterback at the same time that you are the oldest team in the league with an average of 28 point whatever years. So I think Brendan cares you're, about age. You're built, to, you're built to win now in terms of, of your demographic, but suddenly you've got a young quarterback surrounded by 30-year-olds all over the place. See, Montreal, you could look at, and don't laugh when I say this, but... You know, when they got their hero quarterback in Manziel, they haven't found a guy <laughs> since Cavill left in, in, in reality, right? And look at that fan base. It's just disintegrated and disintegrated and disintegrated. And, and, and what, what, why? Because they lose. Yeah. That's the bottom line. And if Saskatchewan can, you know, I'm not saying they're going to lose or anything like that, but I think it's a very slippery slope if you start, you know, struggling and – I guess here's the question. Then why would they call Kevin Glenn? Yeah, true. What's the philosophy then? So if Kevin Glenn says, yeah, I'll pay for 50, 
is Kevin Glenn there today? Probably, right? Oh, yeah. So that tells me they still want to win right now, which I do not blame them for one bit. Absolutely. But, but it sort of goes the against the grain of throwing the year away, right? Yeah. I don't know. Already, uh, easy for me to say. We should let you get to rider practice. Yes, We're recording this uh, over noon hour on a on a Monday, and the riders uh, are available to oh. the media in a bit. So, Sorry, Murray, any final thoughts before we, we grant you your leave? Uh, I would like to say congratulations to the Toronto Raptors. Oh, you've what been a, a dedicated rider no. doctor fan for at least a week. I know. What a fun ride Bandwagon it's Bandwagon jumper. I know, I know we're not supposed to Boo. I know we're not supposed to date this. But watching the parade today, they're they're parking on the side of the gardener. You ever been on the gardener on a Monday? They go fast. And people are signing and parking on the side of the gardener to watch a parade for the Raptors. So cool. I think it's an incredible statement and to see the diversity. And I know I don't use that word a lot of Canadian fans that cheered on the Raptors and it was a, a fun ride. Now I just got to get my Golden Knights back up on top and we'll be fine. Brendan, any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, you're talking to a San, you're, you, Believe it or not, you guys are talking to a San Antonio Spurs fan. So you can imagine what I think of the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> and specifically yeah, one specific hero one of the, player in particular yeah one hero of the country that's a total bum in san antonio <laughs> yeah. well, uh, denny green no I no support, he's a good guy <laughs> i support canada's team the denver nuggets who actually are Canadian, <laughs> who plays jamal murray from kitchener ontario so okay. denver nuggets 2020 nba champions uh for murray mccormick uh, brendan thank you so much for being with us uh, it's been great to have you with us and uh your column will appear. I guarantee. I guarantee you in Tuesday's paper and in subsequent all subsequent Tuesdays throughout. Subscriptions the are falling. I hear. No, well, that's my fault. Save me some space, eh? You're right, long. Sorry, Murray. <laughs> for Murray McCormick, for Brendan Tamman, I'm Rob Vanstone, and we'll do this again next week with number fifty-six. And uh, thank you, Roger Aldag, as well for for being with us. Take care.